From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, and this morning, uh, I've got a a bright young man on the phone line. We're going to talk money, (laughs) something everybody needs is money. He is a financial and business consultant. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Akers is on the Public Affairs Podcast. What's up, G? What's going on, KG? How you doing? I'm pretty good, man. You know, uh, folks out here is they they're hurting. They they they're still hurting, and so I know that you got tips on uh, budgeting during this pandemic. But before we get into um, all of that, just let you know the city of Houston and, and the world know uh, who Br- Ryan Akers is. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Simply put, man, a uh, entrepreneur, father, author. Um, just somebody looking to try to give back knowledge and information that I was able to obtain and use. And uh, I think we need it as a community, as a whole. Financial literacy is big. Absolutely. Uh, What made you get into uh, finance and and business consulting? Just tired of (laughs) not figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Basically, I mean, I was working at a... um, an oil field company for a while, and I got tired of the hustle and bustle of the slave ship, so to speak. And go there, you put in 12 hours, 16 hours, and then you get paid in a couple of weeks, but you don't have time to spend it because you'd be too tired. Right. And I was blessed to kind of walk into a, uh, a space. Someone actually gave me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And from that opportunity, um, it was in the, the tax business. We did that for a while. And from that, we kind of grew to um, multiple states. And then I since expanded, started my own empire, and, you know, it it just kind of blossomed from there. It's different things that people were coming back saying that they wanted to do. I kind of jumped into those fields. Mm-hmm. People needed credit, so I jumped into the credit. People needed insurance, so I jumped into the insurance. And just kind of spread just overall um, knowledge about you know, finance. Yeah, and it was simple. You were around people. You, you, you saw a need, and so you decided to provide a service for that need. Correct. Otherwise, I'll be passing that that service on to somebody else to make the money. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But, you know, that's the turn that a lot of people are going like my youngest brother, for example, he was um, a car salesman and um, did it for about five years, made made a lot of money, like actually number number one in the entire corporation in in the country. And and, um, he was like, you know what? He was like, bro, I'm about to quit. Like, I'm I'm sick of making money for somebody else. And. I'm sick of stressing out over something that ain't even mine that I don't even exactly. own. Like, and so, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and he did, and he's now uh, an entrepreneur uh, himself. So, um, so, so let's talk about, let's talk about it because during this pandemic with COVID-19, of course, a lot of people were furloughed, uh, laid right. off permanently right. laid off um, just, unemployed period you know the, the uh-huh. their unemployment is probably has ran out that twelve hundred dollars that we got back in what was that april that's that's <laughs> been gone been gone like been gone and so people are coming up with new ways to uh make money but a lot of people they don't even right. know how to manage or budget money so what's some tips on budgeting oh, especially during a pandemic. I mean, just I I believe just budgeting uh, pre 
COVID was uh, a challenge for a lot of folks. It just wasn't paying Correct. attention. And and now that, you know, COVID hit and people were laid off and, and furloughed and, 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 and took um, salary decreases, um, yeah. they had to, yeah. you know, figure out where it could go what. So uh, so give us some tips on, on budgeting. Well, I think, like you said, this is something that's not just a topic for uh, COVID, but before COVID and even after, um, budgeting is important because it's the determination of your needs versus your wants mm. is the, the best way to describe it. Um, obviously, we're making, making paying your bills is a priority, um, and then learning how to use what you're saving and, and turn it into a source of income. Mm. Um, but that starts with a game plan. So just at this point right now, like I said, the, the best thing and the first thing you want to do is write down what you're making on a monthly basis and then go from there and take it. Hey, this is what I need. This is what has to be paid. And these are the things that I've been blowing my money on. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find is that we spend our money on a lot of junk. Like eating things out. Things that, that have no value. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely that too. <laughs> I mean, even myself, uh, and evaluate that. I eat out a lot. And yeah. that's one of those things if you cut back and remember just look at you know how much you're spending on a weekly basis um of eating out of eating and then out. think about if you save that money and put it towards um uh, a Roth or something that can give you some interest mm-hmm. um, and even some tax credits you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's, it's simple it's just learning how to do it and, and for our community unfortunately it's not taught and if you're one of the people that learn it we have to learn how to go back to our community and give them that knowledge. So, so I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. So since I have you, so let's, let's break that down. Uh, what can one do right now to begin that journey and to break these generational curses? Because everything was, you know, by design for us not to uh, oh, yeah, learn how to uh, generate wealth, much less generational wealth. So what can the person that's listening to this podcast right now that, has changed their mind? Like what can they start to do to do um, to you, to your very point? All right. If you want to create legacy for the person that understands that they're spending money or wasting money on nothing about building that legacy, put that money towards a life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. If you don't have children, I mean, you need a life insurance policy for yourself and your children if you have children, but start with yourself and, and game plan for the future. You can get a life insurance policy for $40 a month. Or you can get some that accumulate cash value, which means you can earn money on your money that you're overfunding your life insurance policy. Tax-free money, mm-hmm. mind you, hmm. um, through IULs, VULs. There's, there's a couple of different vehicles out there. And when I say IULs, I don't want to speak over people. It's an index universal life policy. Mm-hmm. There's multiple carriers out there that have them, so you don't have to stick with just one. I'm not going to give you one to go with because there's multiple find the one that works best for you but those policies gain cash value as you're putting it in there monthly so take that 150 bucks that you're blowing on food or more um, or more and, yeah because <laughs> we're talking ten dollars a, a meal if you eating at least three <laughs> times a day that's thirty dollars a day five times a week like that's I mean, let's do the math you know what i'm talking about right you know the vibes <laughs> <laughs> you know even if it's just ten dollars a day extra you know that's fifty dollars a week if right you're doing it like that that's 200 a month if you put that same 200 dollars into a policy you can have a policy for a half a million dollars right 
and when you and something happens to you, and these policies that I'm talking about right now, people think about life insurance as like, oh, that's going to be available when I die. But these policies come with a ton of benefits that help people while they're living. Right. So if something happens to you, especially during these COVID times, you get diagnosed with a, a critical illness, you can use 90% of your death benefit to fight off whatever that illness is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember right? my so grandmother $200,000 policy, you can use 180. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up back in the 90s, um, my grandmother just setting everything up. You know, I heard the talk about, you know, the life insurance and I, you know, just I remember her telling me and just overhearing like, you know, I don't want y'all to worry about, you know, nothing. And so she had her thing set up. Right. I remember like even the plot of land, like and, and nobody wants to yeah. have those conversations, you know, uh, but they are necessary because death is uh, a, a part of life. Um, well, we say when we say nobody wants to have it, I, I believe that that's it's kind of a, a backwards concept, right? That, that the issue is that we, our community, has been taught not to have those conversations because other communities hmm. definitely have it. Well, well, right? Well, well, you know, you, you, you've said no <laughs> lies, sir. You have said no <laughs> lies. <laughs> None. Uh, so, uh, Ryan, you have a book uh, that yes, has sir. just came out, Getting Things Done, yes, uh, that is out now, available uh, everywhere. Uh, what was the inspiration yes, behind writing this? Um, my inspiration, KG Simple, man, was I was writing this was from a position of lack, uh, not necessarily lacking money, but sometimes you, you lack enthusiasm or just to get up and go. And I kind of found myself being stagnant. And as I was writing it, I know that if I was feeling this, other people are feeling it too, right? Mm -hmm. Not that because I feel a certain way, everybody else will, but there are people out there that feel like me, right? What can we do to get out of that? And a lot of times we suffer with mindsets. Our mindsets um, can take us from A to B. Or, or you can get stagnant and get stuck there and be there forever. Like, I'm sure yeah. you know people that are you grew up with who are in the exact same situation oh, yeah. when they graduated oh. high school. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Still back home. <laughs> Ain't left. You see what I'm saying? But th- that's a mindset thing. They chose not to change their mindset versus you who did or those other individuals that did. So for me, getting things done was that, that push. And my hope is that people who um, receive the the book and go out and, and obtain it will not only be inspired but also push past the uh, that position where you're where you're kind of stagnant. So it's it's part um, autobiography, part self help, part financial information. It's 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 a little bit of everything. More more self help. More um, give you some tips to to push towards finance money is key in our community even though a lot of us don't know it so yes it's definitely based on a financial perspective um but anything that's written from a finance perspective can help you out personally as well for sure um with the pandemic going on as i mentioned earlier you know a lot of people they had you know starting businesses i know a few people who have you know started up some small little things like (laughs) uh if it's just selling salads you know for 
you know, eight dollars. <laughs> like, no, like I know hey, a girl a who I know a girl who makes these fire like salmon salads, like they're huge, and it's a lot of you know vegetables and stuff Sounds in there, and, and, and and she's charging like ten dollars a you know a plate, a box for the salads, and they smack. I would buy it. Yeah, I would buy man. It. It's, it's, it's great. Salmon salad? That sounds good, actually. And so um, what are some tips on where to start your business? Well, you have to, a business should take care of a need. That's how you have a successful business. If you can find a need for people mm-hmm. and then um, cater to that need, you'll always win. Right? And then also... Um, Remember, I think sometimes when we when we do that, like there's a lot of catering companies out there. I'm sure the young lady who you're talking about that created the salad found her niche, right, right. with salads, because there's a lot of different people that are cooking meals. But she's saying, "Hey, I'm gonna fine tune this this salad market." Yep. But there's not a lot of people that I know of that just have salads. There's, there's restaurants that do it, but not just individual caterers that are specific on the salad. So she found a need and a niche. Mm-hmm. She did her homework. So that's that's one of those things you have to be able to do. Um, it's more than just saying, "Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to have this this particular business." Do your research, do your homework. You want to be successful in something, study it, learn learn about that particular field or that that genre that you're choosing to jump into. But that's the problem, though. Like people got to change their mindset, Ryan, because people don't want to do the homework. Like that is the problem. They don't want to do the homework and the research because we've been so accustomed to getting what we want at the touch and the click of a, of a button on a screen. And that makes, that makes people lazy, which really, here you go. It, it, it's so simple because you're just sitting there touching and clicking anyway. So why not click on the right things to get the knowledge that you need? But you know, they got to change their mindset because they don't want to do the homework. See, KG, you're talking about something, man. The mindset is so important that it's the first chapter in my book. Mm, wow. <laughs> Literally. The wow. first chapter in the book is the 10 mindsets that crush personal effectiveness. And wow. uh, mindset number three says, I can achieve the same results without having to change. Mm. Well, well, that can't possibly be true because we know the definition of insanity is doing the same, same thing, thing over and expecting over. Expecting a different result, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So for those people, I guess let's 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 have this real part of the conversation. Entrepreneurship will not be for everybody. Come on now. Just say it. Right. Yeah. Like, so everybody's not going to be a boss. Right. Um, and that's just the reality of it. So, you know, it may not be for you. Yep. But if this is for you, understand that you're getting ready to go to to battle because it's an everyday fight. You're you're literally fighting for your freedom mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur versus, um, you know, somebody that's, I don't want to say bound, but somebody that's, you know, driven by the t- traditional work clock, mm-hmm. the nine to five. As an entrepreneur, you may not go to sleep at a certain time. You may not get off at a certain time, but what you're right. doing you're always is building on the clock. for your freedom. Right. There you go. And But you're always on the clock, though. But you're paying yourself. <laughs> it's freedom. This, this is the thing. As, a, as an entrepreneur, you might always be on the clock, but you can pick and choose when you need to work. You, right. you know what's going on. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Let's let, let's hit on credit real quick because uh, yes, sir. Th- th- that's a big thing um, that's going on. Definitely. People are trying to 
uh, improve their credit. I always like to ask financial people, and I haven't had a I haven't had a money person on uh, in a while um, to get their answer thing. to this now question. Yeah, I do have you, <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so, when it comes to financial literacy, financial education. Where do you feel uh-huh. that the responsibility lies the most in the home to, to, to learn about it or in the schools? Because, you know, in in the home, especially like in a black home, you know, when right. when they doing the bills, you know, be it paying it online or they, they, they got them open at the kitchen table. Like it's like, you know, stay right. out of grown folks business, you know. You know, there's no, you know, like there's not a lot of, you know, teaching of, you know, this is how you do this, you know, handle this, buy this, do that. Now, in school, I remember growing up in school, like in math, they did teach us, you know, about banking, like how to write a check. Balance a checkbook. You're right. How to balance a checkbook. However, they did not teach us about credit. And so... You know, when I'm a young 18 year old on the on the yard of the University of Cincinnati and I see a table, you know, hey, get this T-shirt or this oh teddy bear, just sign up and you or get this credit, credit card. card, you know, come in <laughs> and, you know, like, oh, I need this book. I'm going to get this book and then uh-huh. do that. And then I'm going to just pay the minimum. And then like you find out years later, like, yo, you're not paying this or, or ignoring it. Like now you done messed your credit up. You can't go and get whatever you want, you know, as the saying goes, you know. Right. Uh, what is what's the saying? Like right. cash is queen, but credit is king, or something like some something credit around is that. King, yep. Um, right. So where where do you feel the responsibility lies mainly in the home or in the schools when it comes to financial education and literacy? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it 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 should be in the home because uh, you can't depend on what somebody else's views is to be important to you, right? So they're not gonna teach you credit because it pays them for your lack of knowledge for credit. This is why these companies exist. This is why when you were in college and myself, this is why when you go there, everybody's getting credit cards when they first get to college and you know nothing about it, but your credit is good enough then to get a credit card. You try to get a credit card after you screw it up. It doesn't work anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you learn this at home, credit taxes, um, even how to pay bills, what, you know, proper money management, those things should be taught at home. Those are things that our parents, a lot of us failed, mm-hmm. right? Because of like, like you just said, hey, they said, hey, stay away from this. Don't worry about this. This is grown folks business. Well, this grown folks business is about to be my business. If I'm going to be grown one day, right? teach me, teach me what's going on. And I, and I have to commend my father for being that person. I just gave him kudos the other day recently, like giving him like, hey, you know what? One of the best things that I learned from you was money management. I thought he was a total penny pincher growing up. Like he was, I never had a pair of Jordans until I went to the military. Mm-hmm. Wow. He wasn't with that. He was like, yeah. nope, that that money is worthless. You can go get these $15 pair of whatever. And um, that should be fine. Now, thankfully I had a mom that loved me. So she was able to give me some Nikes. <laughs> but, um, get, getting $200 pair of Jordans, that didn't exist in my household. And I, and I actually, you know, used to look down on my, my old man for that until I became an adult. Right. And once I became an adult and realized, um, you know, assets and liabilities, I realized a lot of the stuff that we we gloat after is a liability. It means nothing after you get it. It's worthless. 
that can't help you and the other pair that's less than that can do the exact same thing that that pair is going to do. But it's a mindset of, you know, they, they market us very well, mm-hmm. which is why blacks are the number one consumer in the world. Number one. Not, not in the United States, not in Houston, in the world. not in Texas, in the world. Come on, bro. But, but, but we also have the least amount of assets in the world. Mm-hmm. We own mm-hmm. the least amount of any other race. Mm-hmm. In the world, we own the least amount. So I think um, we're slowly yeah, getting there, though. We slowly, you know, it's a slow yeah, yeah, drip. Yeah. It's a slow yeah, drip, we're but we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Listen, Ryan Akers, the book is Getting Things Done. Available everywhere, right? They can go, you that's, know, that's on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, wherever they can get it. Get get it, or or if if you're a digital one, like if you want to download it to your Nook or your iPad or whatever tablet you have, it's definitely there. Um, do that as well. I like a physical book. I still, I just, I like to turn the pages and you know, hey, KG, the smell no of the I book. Got you, man. Don't worry about it. You know, all of that. But uh-huh. yeah. listen, I appreciate you coming on the Public Affairs Podcast, bro. Thank you for having me, man. No doubt. And uh, we'll be back with more of the podcast after this. Welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, joined by the market icon that is... Uncle Funk, Larry Jones, Man. and KG, you talk about a great show today. Today is exciting. It is absolute. I am just beyond elated and thrilled to welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast. She is uh, currently the uh, managing editor and anchor for the CBS Evening News. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Nora O'Donnell. O'Donnell. <laughs> oh my gosh, KG and Larry, thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you for being here. How, how, how are you feeling? I'm doing well. You know, I've, I've covered six presidential elections, mm. but I feel like this is the most important presidential election of our lifetime. Absolutely. And, um, and of course the debate, I I had a pit in my stomach during the whole thing. And the more people I talked to, they say they also had a pit in their stomach watching that debate. (sighs) The debate (laughs) was a dumpster fire. And I just, I was like, Whoa, to me, I was like another hit at our democracy and the process that goes like just how he bulldozed over the entire thing and i thought like this is some like authority you know he he he's doing what his what what daddy vladdy would do like if this was vladimir putin like what vladimir putin had it was like we we're, you guys are wasting my time i don't have to go through this process miss nor have you ever witnessed anything quite like this in all your years of reporting never you know and i was talking to my children about it i've covered uh, President Obama. I've covered President George W. Bush, President Bill Clinton. So I've been out on the road with John McCain and John Kerry. And, you know, these were always heated contests in the past, Sarah Palin. But there was always at least some respect for one another. Even right. though some of the attacks got a little bit dirty mm-hmm. and a little bit mean, there was at least respect for one another. And I think that was what was missing last night, a sense of decorum. And I had a deep sadness about the state of democracy. But look, we're the greatest country in the world, mm-hmm. and Americans get to exercise their vote. And so uh, everybody needs to make sure they do that. Yeah. 
you know, whether you're a Democrat or Republican and independent or you're this is your first time voting. Right. Uh, that's what makes this country so great is that everybody has a voice. Everybody has a vote. And there are lots of organizations out there to help, you know, protect people and protect that vote. Ms. Noor, um, from a woman's perspective, with the recent passing of uh, of uh, Justice uh, Ginsburg and and the presumed appointment uh, coming from President Trump, your take on this? Um, and I'm not asking, you know, conservative, liberal. That that's not my question. From a woman's standpoint, because you yourself have come up through the ranks and have earned all of it, as we all know. And, and, and you survived the Me Too movement, and you know one of your dear colleagues had to leave. And it's just been a, a whirlwind from our seat. Mm-hmm. How has it affected you and the conversation, as you mentioned, that you're having with your kids? Well, I hope that each of these news moments that we cover is also a teaching moment. Mm. So while it's so sad to witness the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think it was also an opportunity for each of us to go back and look at her record. Mm -hmm. And so while those of us who admired her from afar and maybe hadn't done a deep dive into what she's actually done on the 27 years on the court and before that, it allowed us to revisit those things. So let me just take, for example, the case of Reed versus Reed, Mm -hmm. 1971. She was not on the court at that time, but she actually wrote the brief as it was argued before the Supreme Court by someone else. But ultimately, Reed versus Reed was a landmark decision by the Supreme Court that for the first time said you cannot discriminate on the basis of sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was landmark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and in that uh, decision, she actually quoted Polly Murray, who was a black feminist uh, thought leader who had talked about this before. And so I, I mentioned that just because I think that each of these cases is an opportunity for us to revisit, revisit not only the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but what each of these cases has done to expand the rights for women, minorities, uh, even men too, who because many of the cases that she put before the Supreme Court were she argued because they discriminated against men, but they ended up expanding rights for women. So while it was really sad, I was also hopeful about just the thousands and thousands of people that that turned out to pay their respects to her. Mm-hmm. You know, that dressed their kids up in uh, justice robes with the with the uh, white collar around it. You know, like <laughs> like Justice Ginsburg mm-hmm. used to like to wear. Yeah. So. Um, this is an opportunity, and I hope as many of us can watch these confirmation hearings that come up and hear about the record of Amy Coney Barrett. So, you know, it's great to have another woman on the Supreme Court. This is going to be a conservative woman, and there will be a full discussion of her judicial philosophy and what that means. Yeah, I, I, I caught your interview last Monday uh, with Vice President Pence um, talking about that. and. Um, Looks like they're gung ho. Like they don't, they have no interest in um, honoring the dying wish and request of uh, RGB. I mean RBG, and um, they are going to go against their own rules um, and and try to get this woman confirmed, nominated, and confirmed. Uh, but it's not an unusual tactic for the 
for the party in power. And and it, it, it may seem unfortunate, but it's if you study the, 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 the rule or the way it flows, it's well, yeah, it's kind of predictable. Yeah, like, I know. Power it, begets it, power. it would be sure, you know, it's there. But um as 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 Nora just mentioned, it will be interesting to watch how each senator uh, ask her questions and, right. and and because the big thing is is uh, Roe v. Wade, correct? That that abortion Roe v. Wade, is, Obamacare. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if the LBGTQ. Uh, I think that one's solid. Is that solid, Nora? You know, I'm not sure about that. It depends, and and. Conservatives can bring up a case through the lower courts in order to try and change something if they want mm-hmm. to, as mm-hmm. as liberals can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the case before the Supreme Court, my understanding that ultimately granted gay marriage was something that was care, carefully uh, cultivated and brought before the Supreme Court that ultimately gave people the right um, gay and lesbian Americans to, to marry. But here's here's what I would say about the the future of the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. It matters. You want justice under the law. It Mm -hmm. matters who you vote for Mm -hmm. and not just at the Supreme Court level. You heard this come up at the first presidential debate Mm -hmm. where President Trump said, you guys left us 170 judges. So we went ahead and filled them. You didn't finish your job. Well, that's not totally true. What happened was that Democrats were trying to confirm judges and the Republican-led Senate blocked them, them, just as they blocked Merrick Garland, who was President Obama's choice um, to replace uh, Justice Kennedy on the Supreme Court and was ultimately filled by Justice Kavanaugh. So not only does your vote matter for who you choose for president, it matters because the Supreme Court, the ultimate law of the land, those justices get decided by the president and by who's ever in the United States Senate. So mm-hmm. my sense is there's going to be record turnout this year. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people get mad at the Trump administration and all that. But like the real bad guy behind the curtain is Mitch McConnell. <laughs> He's the one that has been holding it up, holding it up, holding it up. Nora, I personally think that Trump is going to win, but the Democrats will have uh, the House and the Senate, and then maybe some checks and balances um, will probably start happening. And the only reason why I say that because I see the play that they are making um, on all fronts. And I think that he is just hmm. petrified because he knows that if he does not win, all of the legal problems that are ahead, like, I'm going to jail. I think that's what he's thinking. I'm going to jail if I don't win. Well, we'll we'll see. Uh, To Nora's point, what we need to do is by October 5th, make sure we're registered to vote and then go vote. But I would like to ask uh, the lady that I watch the most on television, what's your take, Nora, on uh, COVID-19 and could we have done better with that whole with this whole pandemic? Do you believe? Absolutely. Mm. Um, my father happens to be an infectious disease doctor. Mm-hmm. So I've got a consultant back at home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with my dad and my, my sister is a, is a surgeon. But infectious diseases are something that have affected, you know, our globe for centuries. You know, we saw it, the Spanish pandemic in 1918. There was a pandemic during the Obama administration mm-hmm. it was called H1N1 or swine flu. Mm-hmm. The federal government handled that much different under the leadership of President Obama than what we've seen today. But the coronavirus or um, SARS-CoV-2, as it is known, 
is a infectious disease like we've never seen before. It is deadly. It is lethal. It is infectious in a way that has confounded all scientists. And so while this government and even infectious disease experts and doctors were sort of slow in the beginning, I think quickly everybody came to some consensus about how we can slow the spread. But there has not been a unified message coming from the federal government. Has that cost lives? I think most experts agree that it has. And um, it's, it's really sad um, because if you've lost a mother or a father or a spouse or a child because of coronavirus, uh, that's a pain that will never go away and a grief will never go away. And so there is a responsibility of those in government who are paid by taxpayers. These are our taxpayer dollars mm -hmm. that fund the NIH, that fund the HHS, um, that fund the CDC, and that fund those who work in the White House. The American people deserve better. They deserve mm -hmm. clear guidelines about how to manage this coronavirus. And I wonder whether this is really um, going to be the most important issue, if not the second most important issue, as well as the economy, but they're so closely related right. that people vote on this year. You know, one of the things we're watching at CBS News is um, you know, not only the women's vote, but suburban women, because there were a lot of suburban women who had voted for Obama that did vote for Trump mm -hmm. in 2016. Are they going to switch back and vote for Biden because they're upset about coronavirus, because they care about health care, they care about the economy, and guess what? They've got kids who are not in school right now. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's one of these issues that really decide this election. And we need more. I mean, our, our Congress approved trillions, uh, excuse me, billions and billions of dollars in uh, federal aid to small businesses, to hospitals. Where's that money going? Where is the testing that everyone deserves? And just finally, I'll just make a point. We know that coronavirus has affected African-Americans and minorities mm -hmm. uh, disproportionately. And so that's an issue about why that has happened. Why hasn't our government told us about how to protect vulnerable communities and that need more help? You know, I was I was really floored about how we handle this, because, first of all, we are America. We get things done. And I thought that the, the thought process was going to be, all right, we'll do what we got to do. We'll hunker down and stay down for these two, you know, three months and then it'll be gone. You know, we, we've beat it. No, you've got other nations that have beat it, like New Zealand and um, Australia. Uh, well. like, yeah. like New Zealand has literally gotten rid of coronavirus. Like, oh, we have gotten rid of the coronavirus well, and you all cannot come over here. Part of what, what, what baffled me was, and as much as we love and we love our country, my, my, my fellow Texans, my fellow Houstonians refusing to wear a mask, refusing yeah, to— I hate that they made wearing a mask know, political. That's so I'm, stupid. I'm like, guys, you know, I, I don't want to get sick. You're not sure if you are sick. You may be asymptomatic and you don't even know it, but you don't care about anybody else but yourself— those were the heartbreaking things for me, Ms. Nora, because I'm, I'm a caregiver to my four-year-old grandchild, and, and you were talking about those teaching moments and, and getting the mask on her but asking Poppy, why isn't she wearing a mask or why isn't he wearing a mask? And cause I, he, he's going to get the virus. This is what a four-year-old is saying. So mm. I, it, it's, it's, 
somewhere, somehow, we've lost this sense of citizenship to me. This, 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 this straighten up your back, stand up, you know, we, we salute the flag, we do, we, we pay our taxes. And if, if wearing a mask is going to slow down the virus, the spread of this virus until we get a, a vaccine, then put the mask on. Social distance, wash your hands, and, and use hand sanitizer. Because in the places where it's been done, it's 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 it's, 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 it's slow. Yeah. But I I yeah. I, I just I, I so many things we want to ask you about, and because you are so respected and you do the best job, in my opinion, of being telling the truth. That that's what I'm getting to. You just you tell the truth, and 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 you you you're honest with it, and we appreciate that. But how how was the George Floyd incident and 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 Black Lives Matter translated in the O'Donnell household, which I know is a brilliant household because we've we've seen your record, we see what you do with your kids, we watched your your uh, your growing up in in San Antonio. We 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 know about the military background, so we know you're you're a good lady with integrity. But how has mom been able to translate these stories that you we watch you do on that television? On television. That's a great to the question. House. You know, I'm really I'm really proud of my family because uh, my daughters are certainly very well read in on the Breonna Taylor case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was texting them the other night just for some quick details, and they knew them off the top of their head. Mm-hmm. So they are um, angry. They are upset. They know the details. And um, so I'm proud that they're really read in on this and they want change. Mm -hmm. You know, George Floyd, we went out to Minneapolis. Uh, That was the first time we had left D.C. in the, you know, since the pandemic. And we went out there for the memorial. And so we were right there. And I think what they call George Floyd Square now, but right outside the the store where George Floyd was killed. Mm -hmm. And the memorial, you know, there was the artists had painted this beautiful memorial to him. People were coming out and leaving candles and flowers and cards. And the most hopeful and optimistic thing that I saw amidst all of that pain was that it was multi-generational, mm-hmm. multiracial, all coming out to say, to pay their respects and say, this is wrong. George Floyd should not uh, be dead. Oh, this is Gail calling me. Gail King's calling the other line. i got to put her on hold for a minute. Just want you guys to tell Gail I was talking to you guys. i got to call her back. Well, yeah, 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 so yeah, we said If you really have um, to go, we could. No, 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 no. It's okay. She, she understands. Um, but, so George, but so George Floyd, I was really touched by that. And, you know, um, while they had the memorial inside that Reverend Al Sharpton and others spoke at, they, they blared it on the speaker's outside and Mm -hmm. people I mean there were maybe a thousand people outside and they were silent Mm -hmm. listening to every word it was almost like a revival or something like that Mm -hmm. and so you know one of the the really privileges of being a journalist and being at CBS News is that we get a front row seat to history and so the, the details of the George Floyd case are just so upsetting and so disturbing but again, what gave me some hope was how many people came out to say, this is wrong, this mm. is wrong, and then, and then marched in the street, demanded change, and then ultimately brought some attention to the Breonna Taylor case, 
right. which remember had preceded George Floyd. Right. And so, um, and to other cases that have happened since. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's anything we have, my friend, it's what my mama has grilled in my head before she left this planet is that there's always hope. You wake up the next morning, God blessed you to wake you up. There's always hope. And the, 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 the steadying hand of, of in this wild era of social media news, the steady hand of CBS news and, and Nora O'Donnell and what you do will keep sense to us. You, you, you may not know it or other people may have told you, but there's a calming reassurance in how you do what you do, my yes, friend. So we, we don't take you for granted. Yeah, um, you're trustworthy. You are that. And I mentioned earlier about your integrity. And I'm not just saying these things because you're on the phone. But I do want to let you know from KG and I, we want God to continue to bless you and your family abundantly in every area of your life. May you not lack anything. And when you know truth needs to be told, Miss O'Donnell, please stand up and do what you do and tell the truth to the world because you are that lady. Indeed. You're going to make me cry. You know, I'm getting teared up. Thank you for that. Well, you, you know, Martin Luther King said, yeah, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, you need to know also that got reg- to cover. Yeah. Regular guys like us watch you and get it. Yeah. And, and a lot of people may take your job for granted. or they're just a reader. But you know, you, you know, I saw, I saw, I saw you. I saw you with the microphone in your hand as a kid, the comb, and and I saw you being who you are today. You spoke this into existence, so I know this means something to you, and you deliver that. And I don't know if anybody takes time to tell you that, but from two guys who kind of news nuts, you know, we 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 see everything else, but when we want it real, we yeah. know who to go to, and yeah. you're you're that lady. You are that lady. You are. So we thank, well, thank you. Yeah, you got any? Thank, uh, you. thank you. Since we are here in do. Texas, and you're from San Antonio, if you want to, because it's this is a worldwide podcast. You want to uh, <laughs> any 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 hometown shout outs? Any <laughs> anything you want to say to anybody? Oh sure. Well, you know, I had I went to Douglas MacArthur High School mm-hmm. in San Antonio, and my seven best friends text every day. We, oh, wow. it, the text chain is called Texas Pete. Texas Pete and so some of them still live in Texas one lives in Iowa one lives in North Carolina but we send each other supportive messages every day you know when whether it's scripture or Mm -hmm. you know when someone's going through a tough time and so it just reminds me that um, the quality of your life is built on the quality of your relationships Mm -hmm. if you have strong relationships Yep. You're going to have a strong life and a strong, happy life. Man. And so I'm, I'm blessed that I, you know, when I was in Texas and in middle school and high school, I met some good friends yeah, you did. who are still my best friends decades later and, and lift me up every single day. That's the greatest up. gift. That's what's up. Ladies and gentlemen, mm. Nora O'Donnell, the anchor and managing editor of the CBS Evening News weeknights. Uh, 6.30, 5.30 Central. Uh, it airs here on KHOU, uh, Channel 11 right here in Houston. We so appreciate you, and we thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. 
Thank you. Love you guys, and thanks for everything. Love Thank you too, you. my friend. And that wraps it up for this week's Public Affairs <laughs> Podcast. Can't wait till next week's show, my friend. Yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see you next week.